Thank you for checking out this episode of Wiregrass Daily News Sports. You can find the podcast over at wiregrassdailynews.com or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please follow, rate, and review. Leave a review, and I will read it on a future edition of the show. And if you just leave four stars, you are just a straight-up hater. You can follow me on social media over at pjordansec. You can email me at sportstalkfieldjordan at gmail.com. Welcome to Wiregrass Daily News Sports. This is your daily look at sports in the Wiregrass and the Southeast. Dothan Wolves on 96.9, the legend producer, Philip Jordan, breaks the news, covers the games, and talks to experts in the Wiregrass and Southeast. And now, Philip Jordan. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the Tuesday edition of Wiregrass Daily News Sports. I am your host, Philip Jordan, in studio host and producer, Dothan Wolves Football on 96.9, the legend an Auburn writer for last word on college football. Everybody joining me on the show today is Adam Spencer from Saturday Down South. We're going to talk all things SEC football here on the show today. And uh, Adam, I appreciate you coming on. Always a pleasure. Good to good to be back. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, we were talking all fair. We had planned to do some basketball talk uh, uh, on here a little bit, but we had to nix that because uh, Sunday morning uh, we all woke up uh, to uh, Jimbo Fisher's firing there at uh, Texas A and M, and then on uh, Monday morning we wake up to Zach Arnett being fired at Mississippi State. And I guess just jumping off, uh, I guess it's not real surprise with Jimbo Fisher, but when you win fifty-one to ten the night before, you kind of don't expect to see that, but. It obviously was something that had been in the works. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's not a decision, you know, with that kind of money that gets made um, quickly, and you know, so I, I think that uh, I think that that you know they've even said, you know, this was a thing that was discussed last week, you know, after a loss. Um, but yeah, so I don't think he could have won two hundred and seventy-three to three, and I, I still think they would have fired him on. Sunday, just, you know, they just had to cross their T's, dot their I's, make sure that they had $76 million to give him. And, uh, you know, it's because I think like 26 of that is due right away pretty much. So, uh, yeah, and I mean, $100 million plus when it comes to, you know, the buyouts of his staff and all that. So, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, th- this was not a decision that was made following the result against Mississippi State. But, uh, you know, it is still pretty jarring to see a coach who wins by 41 points let go the next day. Yeah, hey, it takes a long time to move that seventy-six million dollars around, so you could uh, you get ready for for a big buyout. Oh, uh, any surprise that uh, maybe Bobby Petrino was it named interim instead of uh, you know, they did name Elijah Robinson the co-defense <laughs> coordinator, but uh, I, I I'll be honest with you, as soon as it happened, I said, okay, obviously Bobby Petrino will be named the interim head coach, but they go with uh, with Robinson there. Yeah, I mean, I think that they made the right choice because my goodness, did Jimbo Fisher ever put together a trio of problematic ex-head coaches in uh, Bobby Petrino, DJ Durkin, and uh, Steve Adazio is there. So, I mean, you know, you can't get much more controversial options. I mean, you know, who, you know, not Urban Meyer going to be there, you know, and he's been in the mix in the rumors, you know, who else is going to be there? They're going to get Woody Hayes back in the mix here, you know, after he punched one of his players. I mean, you know, the, Bob Knight, I mean, RIP Bob Knight, but I mean, they, they just have all these guys who left their, their jobs, uh, disgraced. Um, and 
in the midst of controversy. So, I mean, Elijah Robinson is absolutely the right choice because, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's never been involved in a scandal like that to my knowledge anyway. And, uh, you know, I, I just think that, you know, you have to, you have to just get through these next two weeks. Like is Bobby Petrino going to be the next head coach of the Aggies? No. So he doesn't need to audition for the job. Is DJ Durkin going to be the next head coach of the Aggies? No. Steve Adazio? No. So, I mean, give it to Elijah Robinson, let him, um, you know, let him show what he can do and maybe audition for, you know, like uh, Cadillac Williams did for a spot on Hugh Freeze's staff, you know, like Greg Knox, who I'm, you know, we'll talk about in a minute here, but uh, Greg Knox, who is on his third stint as an interim head coach and his second interim stint at Mississippi state, you know, let those guys take over, let them, you know, build their reputations for future jobs and, uh, and stuff like that. I, I think that this was Elijah Robinson was the right move. Uh, none of those other guys need an interim tag on them. No, no, no. We all know all three of them are either going to be on Alabama or Georgia staff next year as an <laughs> analyst anyway. So, uh, you know, there you go. Nick Saban probably said, ooh, I got some new analysts I can have well, next that, season. That was uh, Jimbo Fisher seemed like That's he was trying one. to – He Jimbo, yeah, <laughs> Jimbo Fisher seemed like he was trying to start like his own version of the Nick Saban coaching rehab clinic, but he forgot the part where you're supposed to like rehab their images and get them set up for future jobs. So – uh yeah, we'll see how many of those guys make their way to Tuscaloosa to work with Saban next year. Yeah, absolutely. We'll see. We'll see. It'll be funny to watch. Uh, but it, with Jimbo Fisher, look, I, I've never hit my feelings. I think he's an 8-4, 9-3 coach. You take away the two years he had Jameis Winston at Florida State. He needs to send some of his buyout money to Jameis Winston for making him <laughs> as big as a head coach as he was. Because, like again, take it away, he's, he's an average coach. Uh, in your opinion, though, why didn't it work? he never got the quarterback position right. And I mean, for a guy who, you know, that's, he's just really never had the quarterback position right outside of Jameis Winston. You know, like you said, I just, he's had good quarterbacks. He hasn't had great quarterbacks outside of Jameis Winston. Jameis was a great, great college quarterback. And I mean, he even had some years in the NFL where he was at least electric. He was maybe not, consistent or elite but man watching him was fun you know it was like 40 touchdown 30 interception year or something like that uh mm-hmm. yeah that was it was uh he, you know he was entertaining but uh you know he never got he never got the position right at, in college station you know kellen mond was a really good quarterback he's not a great quarterback uh you know uh, um, max johnson's not an elite quarterback he's a serviceable quarterback you know haynes king even if he was had been able to stay healthy you know we're seeing now he's not an elite quarterback uh you know who was nick starkle was there for a little bit Uh, i'm trying to think of who else he's had some other guys there that just never they were fine they never really panned out and i thought connor weigman was the guy you know i i I was high on him um i thought it was it was such a shame to see him go down earlier this year because i had high hopes for him but you got to get the quarterback position right. I mean, even now we were we were all down on Alabama earlier this year, and it was because their quarterback position was unsettled. Now they have a rising superstar in Jalen Milrow, who's breaking records every week. It seems like, and we're all back in on Alabama all of a sudden. And you know, so you have to get the quarterback position right. And he just didn't do it in College Station. You can bring in as many five star recruits as you want. Uh, you know, if 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 they're just if they don't work well as a team and we've seen some of those guys transfer out already because they just, you know, they, they were elite talent wise, but they weren't good team guys. And then it, it combined that with not getting the quarterback position, right. It's a recipe for disaster. 
Yeah, yeah, it is. It's just you know all the the talent that he accumulated there too, and and a lot of these quarterbacks were highly touted when they got there. But like I said, just in the developmental part, like you said, a development of these quarterbacks out of Jameis Winston just hadn't done it. You know, you, you see all the names, River. I, I remember as soon as I saw his name, I said, "Oh, Urban Meyer, is that a guy you could bring in?" And then of course I, I've already seen people mention Lane Kiffin, which I'm sure Ole Miss fans are like, "Okay, here we go again." What do you think is kind of like? I'm not going to ask you to give out a name that you think could be the next guy, but just kind of like realistic candidates that could probably be into running for this. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I don't think that Lane Kiffin is crazy. I think urban Meyer is crazy. I think those rumors need to stop. Uh, Lane Kiffin has openly said many times that he wishes he had more money for NIL stuff. He's said he's, he wishes he had better boosters. Well, I mean, you can't do much better than Texas A&M. Uh, you know, they're willing to throw around a hundred million dollars just to get away from a coach that they don't like. So, I mean, Lane Kiffin, I know he said he doesn't want to do this again with the rumors and stuff, but, uh, you know, that is definitely a name to keep an eye on at least. Uh, I, I won't, I won't believe that there's zero chance. I think there's a small chance that he goes. I won't believe that there's a 0% chance that he leaves Ole Miss for Texas A&M until Texas A&M hires somebody else. Um, Jeff Trailer at UTSA is a good, safe pick. I don't think that Texas A&M fans would find that sexy, but uh, it, it, I, I think he's done a heck of a job. Um, you know, obviously Dan Lanning is a really good name. I don't know that he would want to leave Oregon for the mess at at uh, at Texas A&M right now, especially with Oregon set to go to the Big Ten and get Big Ten money. You know, I think that that could be a big boost for the Oregon program as a whole, and D- Lanning might want to stay there. Um, there's rumors of Kalen DeBoer. Uh, I, I think that those need to stop. He doesn't have the SEC footprint experience. Uh, he, he has no experience recruiting anywhere but out West. So, you know, I, I, I don't think that he's a reasonable candidate. I think at this, at this stage, any guy that comes into the SEC needs to have at least some connection from his past or where he grew up or just anything that anything that ties him to the sec and DeBoer doesn't have that. So, you know, Lanning Kiffin, Jeff trailer is a good choice. Uh, you know, those are all guys that I would keep an eye on. Just, uh, just right there. And then we'll move on to Zach Garnett being fired uh, to, on, on Monday of uh, the Texas part of it, them coming into the conference. Do you think that could actually be a deterrent for them handing a uh, landing somebody? Uh, you know, I think, I think it's the opposite, really. I think if anything, just the, the money that Texas and Oklahoma are going to bring to the SEC, even more money, you know, just the two conferences to be in are going to be the SEC and the big 10. So anybody who can land a job in those conferences would be frankly foolish to not do so you know if, if Oregon was staying in the Pac-12 this coming year you know maybe Landing becomes a much more interesting and strong candidate to take over at Texas A&M but with that not being the case you know the, the Ducks are going to the Big Ten where they're printing their own money too you know I think he stays put because he's built a pretty solid situation there in Oregon so you know I, we'll, we'll see how it all plays out but uh, yeah I mean I think if we're talking I think they could poach pretty much anybody that they wanted outside of just a few names from, uh, you know, the remaining big 12, the, the 
ACC, just anywhere else that they wanted to. Just I, I just don't think that you're going to get a Big Ten head coach to jump over, or you know, I don't I don't think that you're going to get a uh, a sitting SEC head coach in a good situation. You know, Lane Kiffin would be the one that I would have in mind, but I you know I don't think that that's going to happen. Yeah, I'm sure if anybody roots for Ole Miss is here, so oh great, we get to do this <laughs> all over again if Lane starts getting mentioned again. Um, and then you know, I won't spend as much time on it, but uh, Zach Arnett being fired at Mississippi State. You mentioned Greg Knox; he is the ultimate interim head coach. The second time doing it at Mississippi State, he did it at Florida. Hey, the first time he's not doing it with uh, Dan Mullen, so I guess he's probably uh, you know looking forward to that part of it. He's not following Dan Mullen, but four and six, which. I have not not having Will Rogers most of the year obviously hurts. I mean, the offense was just not the same without him. But uh, kind but of it also wasn't the same with him, and that was, mm-hmm. I think, the problem. Mm-hmm. I think that that more than anything was the problem. Sorry to cut you off there, but uh, I that's think where that, I was leading into it. Yeah, okay. Why it didn't yeah. work in that offense? That's kind of so you kind of jumped on my question that I was <laughs> already getting ready to ask you because that's that was my feeling. I mean, I know every coach wants to have their own system, their own stamp on it, of course. In but coming in replacing the late great Mike Leach. I felt like it was a mistake to change the offense the way that he did. I felt like he probably should have brought somebody in that had a background in the air raid. No one is Mike Leach. No one's going to call a game like Mike Leach, right. but try to stay as close to it as you could. Especially while we're, while Will Rogers is there. You know, I think, yep. you know, if you if you're going to change it, then change it once the air raid quarterback leaves. Uh, you know, I, I, I just I don't get why he tried to change the system. You know, like you said, nobody's going to call the air raid like Mike Leach called the air raid. But, you know, you have an air raid quarterback in Will Rogers, and he's shown that he can put up huge numbers with that. And, you know, Mississippi State showed that it could win, you know, eight games a year with, that system in place, you know, and that's pretty good at Mississippi state, you know, Dan Mullen went like 10 and two one year. And that was like the best year that Mississippi state's ever had. Like that's so if you can go eight and four consistently, if you can make a bowl game every single year, if you can, uh, if you can every now and then win 10 games, I mean, that's, that's the ceiling in Starkville. I mean, Mississippi state fans might not want to hear that, but you know, they're not going to barring like, finding the next Nick Saban out of the blue, they're not going to become a dynasty team. You know, they just don't have the booster money. They don't have the prestige. So, you know, you, you settle for what Mike Leach brought to the table. You are thrilled when you get a Dan Mullen in there, but uh, you know, Zach Arnett just, he, he seemed to just really be my way or the highway kind of guy. And uh, when you don't have any head coaching experience, that's maybe not the best attitude to have. So, uh, yeah. you know, I, I'm, I think that he's going to be a hot, hot name for defensive coordinator uh, somewhere this offseason. You know, let's say Glenn Schumann gets a gets a job somewhere uh, as a head coach um, at Georgia. Let's say like Dan Lanning poaches uh, or Lincoln Riley poaches um, uh, Will Muschamp or someone from Georgia, you know, he could Zach Arnett is a talented enough defensive coordinator that he could have success with a top tier program like Georgia, like an Ohio state, like a Florida, you know, any of these playoff contenders, he would be a great coordinator for. He's just not ready to be a head coach yet. And he might not be there. You know, the, he just might not be a head coach. I mean, you saw just the way that he came in and just completely revamped an already successful system. That's not a sign of good leadership. Yeah. Especially when you are the guy that was there. I mean, you right. were, it's not like you were a brand new guy coming out from the outside 
you were a defense coordinator last year, so you knew what was there, what was working. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how the Mississippi State does, goes about their, their coaching search. Um, there should be some other coaches moving forward to we may hear uh, in this conversation. But uh, SEC Week 11, uh, on paper going, yes, okay, these are some interesting games. Uh, we didn't have any to come down to the wire. They were all double. I guess maybe the best game of the weekend was the Florida LSU game. That was probably the the closest contest. Just, to, just what were your you know your overall takeaways from Week Eleven? Yeah, I mean, I, I I thought you know it was a it was more of an individual effort kind of week. I mean, we saw you know I'll start with my guy Cody Schrader from uh, Mizzou. You know, two hundred rushing yards, one hundred receiving yards, just every time he touches the ball just runs like his life depends on it. He's awesome to watch. Uh, he's been just a great find for Eli Drinkwitz and, uh, and that staff uh, from the D two ranks, just incredible. Um, probably going to win the sec rushing title this year. Just what a, what a find that was uh, Jaden Daniels, man. I have him number one in my Heisman race right now. I don't care what LSU's record is. His, like he's had, I saw something today. He's had 76 plays of 20 or more yards. Michael Penix Jr. is second with 57. So, wow. so he has 19 more 20-plus yard plays than everybody else. Uh, you know, And Caleb Williams is third at 55. Uh, and that's just insane how explosive of a player he's become since his days at Arizona State. And then yeah, I, I think... Uh, I think it. I think I saw too that that's more twenty yard plus plays than like one hundred and thirty out of one hundred and thirty three FBS teams combined. Like it's it's crazy what he's doing. So that was an insane individual performance. You know, we talked earlier about Jalen Milrow. Every week it seems like he's setting a record. Uh, you know, Brock Bowers coming back from his his surgery and catching a touchdown. Like what what a tough guy he is. Um, so I thought week 11 was more about individual performances rather than teams. Cause you're right. Like every single game was when all was said and done was kind of a blowout. I know one game, of course, you know, over at last one college football, I cover Auburn and I, I went in there. I thought Auburn could beat Arkansas if they play like they, you know, like they've been playing. I did not see 48 to 10. Um, and I mean, yeah, Auburn's playing a lot better, but that says a lot about Arkansas where they're going to, but, you know, on the Auburn side of things, what have you made year one if you freeze? You started 3-0, but it didn't really look that good, and you lose four in a row, which I think if you go preseason, no one would have been shot if they lost those four games. Just kind of how they lost a couple of them. And now they've won three in a row, which, you know, against teams that don't have great records, but now they sit at 6-4, and four, will probably be on a four-game winning streak going into the Iron Bowl after they play at New Mexico State. Yeah, I think that uh, this is a really good job by Hugh Freeze. You know, the – previous uh, previous coaching staffs would have uh you know maybe lost the team a little bit after that losing streak but uh you know they've stayed the course and i mean this is year one of hugh freeze he's going to get the guys in there that he wants in there in the future but it, it finishing even if they lose the iron bowl and you you know you never know what's going to happen in the iron bowl i auburn always always makes that thing interesting uh even when they have no business making it interesting so uh you know that's uh watch out for that game but you know even if they finish a regular season seven and five that's great for Hugh Freeze's first year you know that's incredible um you know that's that's something that every single member of the Tigers should be proud of to, if they finish seven and five this year and go to a bowl game with a chance to get win number eight you know that's a building block and you know that's that's something that should make boosters happy that's something that should have people excited for the future 
then it's time if you're Hugh Freeze, get in that transfer portal and find yourself a quarterback. You know, don't be, don't don't have this thing turn into Jimbo Fisher at Texas A and M, where you can't find your quarterback, or you find a guy that's just good enough that you have to stick with them. No, find your star. And if your star is not good enough, then go find somebody else. Do what Lane Kiffin did at Ole Miss and bring in, you know, a veteran starter to push your incumbent if need be, you know, bring in two transfers to battle it out, you know, do whatever you have to do to find the guy, get some wide receivers in there too, because, you know, if you have a better quarterback, you need to upgrade this receiving core too. But seven and five, Great work from Hugh Freeze, if that's what their record ends up being. Uh, just even getting to a bowl game this year, really solid effort. And then you can start to uh, to increase the expectations heading into 2024. Yeah, absolutely. And it's always wild when the Iron Bowl's at Jordan Hare. Uh, that's another thing. Absolutely. Uh, I, I, I'm telling you, been around a bunch of Alabama fans. They do not like it when Al- they always get nervous when they go to Jordan Hare. It's like that place has got like the Voodoo Stadium. It's just all it is uh, at Jordan Hare. And you're right, Auburn has won games at at Jordan Hare, not just Alabama. They had no business winning. They just had no business winning, and they somehow ever pull it out. Uh, well, Alabama, of course, now they have clinched the West, and they will be playing Georgia, who's clinched the East. And I know jumping ahead a few weeks, like I said, Alabama still has to go to Auburn. Who knows? I mean, Georgia's kind of got a little, you know, Tennessee this week, and then they have Georgia Tech after that. But just look, you know, kind of look, especially from the Alabama side of things, um, is that a matchup too? Do you see as a, a close game as you look at it a few weeks away, where Alabama as a team now, you think, okay, they can compete and they can perhaps be that team to dethrone Georgia? Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. I mean, I, I think that the way that that defense is playing right now is just, it's elite and just something that uh, any team is going to not want to go up against. You know, I, I think that it has the chance to be a very similar style of game to what Mizzou and Georgia just played. Um, you know, I'm not necessarily comparing Mizzou and Alabama, but, you know, the the quarterbacks are similar. You know, Brady Cook can make plays with his leg and his arms, you know, he's, he's, he's a very talented dual threat quarterback. Um, you know, Mizzou has better wide receivers and running back uh, Cody Schrader. Obviously we talked about him earlier, but uh, Alabama's defense is significantly better than Mizzou's and Mizzou's is a good defense, uh, but Alabama's is at another level. So, you know, you look at that, you maybe shave a few points off of that Georgia Mizzou game. And I think that that's sort of, the style of game that because Georgia can play whatever style of game you need. And if, you know, and we still have like three weeks for Brock Bowers to continue to get healthier uh, ahead of that game. So, I mean, that that's going to be just a lot of fun to, to watch. And I, I expect it to be really close because I mean, it's basically like, you know, it's basically like an early playoff game. <laughs> so, you know, those, yeah. those, those might honestly be the two best teams in the country. Um, you know, Nick Saban has a point every year. You know, if Alabama, let's say Alabama loses the SEC championship game to Georgia by one point, you know, they probably won't get into the playoff. But I mean, if they, if that ends up being the case, I mean, that is absolutely, you have to say Alabama is one of the best four teams in the country and they'd probably be left at home and it would probably drive Nick Saban crazy once again. But, uh, you know, he has a point when he says stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that we are going to get a really, really good game, one of the best games of the year in uh, Atlanta and on December 2nd. And I just kind of wonder in the next couple of weeks, uh, Jalen Miro, of course, they're playing Chattanooga this week, and he has a big game against Auburn, you know, running, throwing, and everybody's going because it's flashy with the way he does it. Aside Carson Beck, 
he's put up big numbers, good numbers this year, but it's not necessary flash number. He just does. He plays within the offense. He gets the job done. He's got over 3,000 yards passing. I just got to wonder going into that one, maybe Carson Beck's going to end up being the one, a little chip on his shoulder. So, hey, I know y'all talking about Jalen Milrow. You know, just throwing a scenario out there, but, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good too, and he's played really good this year. Yeah, I mean, he just had a masterful performance against Ole Miss. I mean, man, he, you know, they, they just absolutely dominated that game from start to not from start to finish, but once it was like halfway through the first quarter and it was 14-14, and George is like, okay, enough of this. And then, you know, Beck and the offense took off, the defense tightened up. Uh, it's it was it was a master class for the last three and a half quarters there. Uh, you know, so I, I think that that's um, that's sort of. Yeah, I think you're right that like Carson Beck has that in him to have that elite performance. And, uh, you know, that's he's just never faced a defense this year quite like Alabama's. Um, and that's going to change. But, uh, you know, he's talented enough to still put up some numbers. I just don't think he's going to drop 52 or whatever it was on uh, on Alabama. Yeah, I don't either. If he does, uh, maybe he needs to be invited uh, to the high yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> if that happens uh, in Atlanta. Uh, the final time we'll have the SEC on CBS for the SEC championship game, too. But uh, yeah, uh, it's going to be fun. I uh, kind of hope we can hurry up and get through week 12. I know you don't like to rush through the season, but this is always the worst weekend of SEC mm-hmm. football every single year. Uh, but then we get to rivalry weekend, so it'll be worth the wait. But, uh, Adam, this has been a lot of fun having you on the show, talking all things SEC football. Uh, if the listeners and viewers want to check you out, where can they find you on the work you're doing? Yeah, uh, just check out Saturday Down South. You know, we're we're hammering all the news on the football side. We're gearing up basketball. Um, you know, Saturday football newsletter is going to be important down the stretch. And then, uh, you know, I'm on Twitter at Adam Spencer 4 All right, sounds good, Adam. I appreciate the time, and I look forward to doing this again sometime down the road. Sounds good. Talk to you later. Want a chance to see the Iron Bowl in person? Enter for your chance to win two tickets to the Iron Bowl on Saturday, November 25th. To enter, simply complete the form at 969thelegend.com. The winner will be announced on Friday, November 17th. 96.9 The Legend is your connection to classic country legend. But Digio Strategies has other options too. News Talk 103.9 is your source for America's top news and entertainment shows like Rick and Bubba in the morning, Glenn Beck from 9 till 11 a.m. and Clay Travis and Buck Sexton middays from 11 a.m. till 2 p.m. Sean Hannity, Lars Larson, Ben Shapiro, Matt Walsh and others fill your day with the latest news and views from America's top conservative voices. America at night and coast to coast am keep you company and connected throughout the night plus fox news the alabama radio network and wiregrass daily news keep you informed with national international state and local news and with more musical choices like all the hits 1067 kmx today's country 95.5 wtvy and music 1077 digio strategies gives you more choices and more variety listen on air online and on our apps 96.9 the legend is just the beginning all right once again thanks to adam spencer for coming on today's edition of wiregrass daily news sports now he mentioned some of the highlights and the star players that come out of week 11 like i said it was a blowout weekend in the sec like i said probably the most competitive game was florida and lsu and uh but the rest of the games were blowouts um Alabama beating Kentucky 49-21. South Carolina easily beat Vanderbilt. Tennessee lost a big one. Big margin to Missouri. 
Auburn blew out Arkansas, Ole Miss, Georgia, Georgia blew out Ole Miss in that one. Then, of course, the Florida LSU game was 52 to 35. But just kind of like some big numbers and some interesting things come out of the weekend. Jalen Milro, six touchdowns in the game. Historically great Alabama game there for him. He was 15 to 22 passing for 234, three touchdown passes, 36 yard rushing, three rushing touchdowns. The defense for Alabama played great from start to finish. Alabama was up 21 to nothing for Kentucky, even got a first down. They shut down running back Ray Davis for Kentucky, who only had 26 yards on 12 attempts. He had two touchdowns, but still the yardage was not there. Kentucky, for their offensive work, they've got to get the running game going so they can go play action pass with Devin Leary and those young receivers. You know, last week talking to both Kevin McGuffey and with Matt Lowe, I said, let's see if, if Alabama gets off to a slow start, maybe be an opportunity for Kentucky. It's an 11 o'clock kickoff. All that stuff, Alabama came ready to play in this one. Then, look, I'm not going to talk about Vandy at South Carolina. Rattle had a great game there. We, we touched on it that way. Tennessee and Missouri, I thought this was going to be a really, really good football game, and it kind of started out that way. Brady Cook with an interception, first in, uh, first drive of the game. So I said, okay, we'll see. Is Brady Cook going to have a bad game here? But, man, Missouri dominated this game. They were the better team from mostly start to finish, winning 36-7. to seven. That puts Tennessee at 7-3, Tennessee's not the same away from Knoxville as they are on the road. I know most teams aren't, but there's just a big difference between Tennessee at home versus on the road. And then Missouri's now 8-2, and 4-2. Two, and two. Now you have Florida coming up this week, and then you've got Arkansas after that. So great opportunity here for Missouri to get to 10 wins on the season. They are the second-best team in the SEC East this year. They held Tennessee to 83 yards rushing. That was big and that was too. Tennessee coming in best rushing team in the SEC, that three-headed monster. They have it running back. They stopped that, put the game on Joe Milton's shoulders. He's not handed hooker. He can't handle that. The Tennessee passing game is not as good as it was last year, obviously, and they just struggled. This is some possessions for Tennessee in the game. They had six punts, two fumbles, and one missed field goal. So the offense was not there, and it was there for Missouri. Cody Schrader, epic game, great game for him, national televised game. On CBS, 205 yards rushing, one touchdown. He had 116 yards receiving off of five catches. And outside of the interception, Brady Cook had a solid day, uh, 18-24 for 275 and one touchdown. That one went to Luther Burton. Auburn defeating Arkansas, that was not seen. I picked Auburn to win this game when me and Matt did the show on Friday, but I didn't think about this. I thought it would be a close game. Since Fayetteville, Arkansas was coming off the Florida win, so he had, you know, felt they had some momentum going to this game. They were three and six coming in. They knew they had to win out to get to a bowl game to get to six and six. Auburn's trying to get bowl eligible, but Auburn on the ground, Auburn dominated this game up front on both sides of the ball, offense and defense. 354 rushing yards in the game, 6.4 yards per carry. Jarquez Hunter, who is playing really, really well, has over 400 yards rushing. The last four ball games, he's playing really well right now. He had 109 yards. Peyton Thorne was 12 of 20, 163, three touchdowns, one interception, 88 yards on the ground, and one touchdown rushing. It does seem like with Peyton, though, he does give you like the defense one bad pass where maybe you can pick it off. He did it the week before against Vanderbilt, and he did it here against Arkansas. I was kind of worried about that point in the game, too. Auburn's up by a few touchdowns. I said, okay, this might be what gives Arkansas some momentum. But Arkansas only got a field goal out of that interception. Like I said, dominate up front. That's been an issue for Arkansas all year. It's been their offensive line. 
the rush game was not even a factor. And then you get down 21 nothing, 27 to 3 at halftime. You pretty much have to throw the ball to even try to get back in the game. But they were able to sack uh, KJ Jefferson five times. So Auburn's really playing well. New Mexico State this weekend, so they have a chance to go four straight wins into Iron Ball. So they'll have a lot of momentum, and that will be a home game, too. Then uh, the big game of the day was number nine, Ole Miss, at number two, Georgia. Georgia 52 to 17 in this one. Ole Miss drops to eight and two, five and two. And then Georgia's 10 and 0, 7 and 0. So the winning streak is still intact for the Bulldogs. 14 to 14 early in the second quarter after Quinshawn Junkins touchdown. But watching the game, because, you know, Ole Miss likes to go pace. You know, Blaine Kiffin wants to go fast, up tempo, get a lot of plays in. But I was kind of wondering, you know, the Georgia defense is going to settle in at some point and get some stops. So then you're going three and out, and you're putting your defense back on the field. And Carson Beck was awesome. 18 to 25, 306, two touchdowns. The running game for Georgia was there. I know for some of Georgia fans, you look online, they haven't been exactly happy how the run game has always been going this season. Kendall Milton, nine, uh, nine carries for 127 and two touchdowns. Uh, Juan Edwards, he had 59 yards, two touchdowns. So your two star backs with four touchdowns. You had Bart Bowers back in it. Uh, Georgia, 31 unanswered points. So Georgia really showed, okay, we can do be this big offensive team throwing the ball. And like you heard me talking there with Adam, I really like what Carson Beck has done this year. I think he's quietly having a really good, good year, great year perhaps. And just because it's not really too flashy, it's just kind of just like he runs the offense, he makes the right throws, he makes clutch throws when he has to. He's had to in a few games this year. I always go back to the Auburn game on that. But, yeah, Carson Beck's played really, really well. He played well here as well. Jackson Dart came out of the game injured. Spencer Sanders went in. Uh, we'll see how that goes uh, with them. Uh, Ole Miss, I think he's going to be all right, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. I will say this about Ole Miss. I kind of wonder, have they hit their ceiling? And I say that because you know this was a big spot for Ole Miss. And they played Alabama, offense due to, well, 24 to 10 in that one. And then here, 52 to 17 against Georgia. So Ole Miss's offense is just going to have issues when they run into teams like Georgia and Alabama. And Lane Kiffin said it. I don't know if it was the Saturday press conference after the game or if it was Monday. But I saw it somewhere. He's talking about, hey, we just need you know there's better players. It's not against our players. we got to coach better. But, you know, and Lane Kiffin's always talking about if he had better players. And we heard Al Spencer talk about that when we were talking about Texas A&M. And then finally, the Florida-LSU game, like I said, LSU wins this one 52-235. Jay Daniels. To me, um, and that last word we do do, a Heisman ranking. I didn't put him at number one, but if I could redo it, I would. Jay Daniels should be the front runner for the Heisman despite the three losses. He was 17-26 to in this one. 372 yards passing, 234 yards rushing, two touchdowns there. He had touchdown runs of 85 and 51. The 85-yard run was early in the second quarter to go up 17-7. to And then you had the 51-yard in the third quarter to put them back in front, 31-28. to And LSU never lost the lead again after that. I mean, when you look at his numbers on the year, 71%, 3,164 yards, three touchdowns to just four interceptions. So he doesn't put LSU in bad situations. I know he threw that interception Alabama last week to kind of turn the tide a little bit before he got injured and had to come out of the game. But at the same time, that was a tip pass, not exactly his fault. And then on the ground, he's going to hit 1,000 with two games left. He has 918 yards, eight touchdowns on the ground. I really hope he plays in a bowl game this year, but I can also see why he wouldn't. But I, 
I just enjoy the watching him play every single week uh, with Jaden Daniels. So I just hope he can keep it up these last uh, two games of the season for LSU. And, of course, uh, just some other stuff that happened in college football. You know, we also like to talk about Troy and Florida State here, too, as well. Troy clinched the Sunbelt West, so they'll be going to another Sunbelt championship game. They defeated Louisiana Monroe 45-14. Look, Louisiana Monroe's not good. They're 2-8 and eight now, 0-7. and seven. No shocker that Troy had their way in this game. Uh, they go to 8-2, and 5-1 and one in conference play. Gunnar Watson had another solid performance, 24-39, 219 yards, four touchdowns. His go-to guy here was Jabri Barber with eight catches, 73 yards, and one touchdown. Uh, Kamani Vidal had a more quiet game, only 50 yards, but we also know Troy's record when he rushes for 50. So get that 50 mark, it's almost a guaranteed win for Troy. But the big thing here, the defense. The Troy defense was amazing in this game. Nine sacks in the game. Richard Jubernor had three and a half with four tackles for losses, and Javon Solomon also had Four sacks. Like I said, they clinched the Sunbelt West. Look at the East. Of course, James Madison has the best record, but because they're still in that transition period, they cannot qualify for the Sunbelt Championship game as of right now. Uh, kind of had some interesting back and forth with some, some uh, James Madison fans. You always go on, on X. But after that, you do have Coastal Carolina, who's 5 and 2, 7 3 overall. Then App State's got a 4 and 2 record, and Georgia Southern's 3 and 3. Old Dominion's 3-3, Georgia State's 3-4, and Marshall's 2-4. Georgia State was right there at the top uh, behind James Madison a few weeks ago, but now they're close to the bottom of it. So it could be Coastal Carolina again, which that's the team Troy beat last year. And then Miami and Florida State always look forward when these two teams play. Florida State wins this game 27-20. I don't think Florida State played their best game. Best game. It was a kind of ugliest win. It's also a rivalry game. A lot of emotions involved. So Kind of, I think you give a pass for Florida State in this game because it's a rivalry game. They do this against some other ACC opponent. You might, okay, look at it a different way. But they do go to 10-0. They're 8-0. We're going to see this team in the ACC championship game. Looks like it could be Louisville, but North Carolina's got two losses behind them. So we'll see how that could work. Um, Louisville plays this weekend. They got one more conference play than they'll, game than they'll play. They'll play uh, Kentucky to close out the year. And then, of course, North Carolina's 4-2. Great win, great game against Duke. Overtime game, Drake May was a big play in that one. But they're 4-2 in conference. So, uh, don't know. Got to look back through it, see the what the uh, tiebreakers are there. But still, uh, looks like Louisville is the team that you could expect for Florida State to play in the ACC championship game. They held off a late comeback from Miami. Did Florida State. It was 27-13. Jordan Travis, solid game, 19-31, 265, one touchdown. He was sacked three times and he had pressure. Now, there was a safety that Miami didn't get towards the end of the first half. Jordan Travis was – that ball was in the end zone, everything. That should have been a safety. I think Miami got done wrong on some points there. Florida State only had 57 yards rushing, and that really bogs their offense down when they become one-dimensional. They've had that happen from time to time this year with the run game just not going like you really – want it would go when their run game's going especially with benson and travis also getting it going in the run game they're really hard to stop uh keon coleman and all of yard hit a key touchdown in this one and a key pump return to set up that touchdown so like i said louisville six and one nine and one overall that looks like that's going to be the team that we could probably see florida state playing in the acc championship game the playoff rankings will be coming out on tuesday night tonight and uh, just my thoughts on what that could look like. Of course, with Michigan beating Penn State, 
talk about Ole Miss and their ceiling. I think Penn State has hit their ceiling with James Franklin. They're always going to be a team that's a good team, really good team, probably nine, ten wins a year. But right now they just cannot get over that hump of Ohio State and Michigan. But I think Georgia should be number one. Ohio State would be should be number two. I would put Michigan at three before last week. I would have them at four, but now with that win, I'd bump them up over Florida State. And like I said, I'm not going to bump Florida State out of the top four, but I'm also going to drop them down a little bit for the performance against Miami. Then at five, I'd have Washington. Six, I would have Oregon. Seven, Alabama. I'm putting them over Texas. I know they beat got beat by Texas, but just the way they're playing right now, I think Alabama would beat Texas right now. Number nine, I would go Louisville and maybe controversial. I would put Missouri at number two. All right, lastly, we do have the SEC TV schedule, mostly, for the last week of the regular season rivalry weekend. Of course, on Thanksgiving night, it will be Ole Miss at Mississippi State, 6.30 over on ESPN. Then on the day after Thanksgiving, on the 24th, Missouri will be at Arkansas, 3 o'clock on CBS. The 11 o'clock game on Saturday, November 25th, will be Texas A&M at LSU, ESPN. I'm not a fan of them playing this game that early in the day. This should be a night game, but oh well. Uh, Alabama and Auburn will be on CBS, uh, the final time for the Iron Bowl on CBS. Uh, Vanderbilt will be at Tennessee, 2.30 on the SEC Network. Florida State at Florida will be at 6 o'clock over on ESPN. That's probably the game I'll be watching tonight. Georgia will be at Georgia Tech. That's a 6.30 on ABC, so that will be a quick. You can flip that one to somewhere else at halftime probably. Clemson at South Carolina, always interesting game. That'll be 6.30 on SEC Network. Kentucky at Louisville is to be determined. So after this week, they'll pick where that one's going to go. I have a feeling that's going to be an 11 o'clock game. But it won't be on the SEC Network because it's at Louisville. So maybe ACC Network might pick that up. I, I feel like this will be an 11 o'clock game. I just That's kind of a, a gut feeling I have. I don't see it going in primetime, maybe 2.30 somewhere, but probably not uh, Not primetime. But I do, I do feel like this could be a early day game. And that's going to do it for today. SEC Heavy Show. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, and once again, thanks to Adam Spencer from Saturday Down South for joining me to uh, talk all things uh, Jimbo Fisher, Zach Arnett, and, of course, uh, the week that was week 11 in the SEC. Week 12 is not great, but we're going to get into it later in the week with Matt Lowe. And I should have some other shows up this week, too, as well. May do an episode. We'll kind of do an SEC basketball roundup because that's going on with basketball. We didn't really get into it today just because all the football stuff I wanted to talk about. So maybe in that later week, just kind of give you guys kind of an, an idea where everybody's at. But we're less than a week into the season, but still kind of give you an idea uh, what's going on there. Remember, you can follow me on social media at P. Jordan SEC. The podcast is available over at wiregrassdailynews.com or wherever. Get your podcast. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please follow, rate, and review. Leave a review. I will read it on a future edition of the show. And if you leave just four stars, you're just a straight-up hater. You can email me at sportstalkphilipjordan at gmail.com. Check out my written work over at Last Word in college football. Everybody has a great day. Until next time, bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to today's Wiregrass Daily News Sports. Make sure to tune back in tomorrow for more of the sports you love in the Wiregrass. Check out the podcast at wiregrassdailynews.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Continue the conversation and connect with Philip on social media at PJordanSEC.